Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'd like to begin this podcast by recognizing the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. How's that? That's kind of... Yeah, yourself there. Mm. 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 I can and hear myself. Mm, good in yourself. So we can start every episode. Mm. Mm. We just turn vibrator off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think it's called that. I think you'll find it is. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I ask fascinating people key milestones on what made them who they are today. And I'm lucky enough to be joined by the wonderful Genevieve Morris. Welcome. Hi, Sammy. <laughs> it's so good to have you here, Jen. It is good to have me here. Yeah. You're great. Yeah. It was nice when you walked in and I just moved into this place and it's so nice that I've got a huge poster of you that you gave me on, on the wall. Does that make you feel more welcome? Forced on you. Forced on me. Yeah, it made me feel very welcome and a little bit nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you look back on things like that, like no activity, and do you have like a lot of things when you see a poster like that, do memories just kind of go yeah, around? And... Yeah, absolutely. I'd still rate that show, No Activity, one of the <clears throat> like just one of the best things to be a part of because it involved all of what I love to do, yeah, which is just yeah. improvised stupid conversations and 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 the people that were in it. It was the sort of show I always said to people, if I wasn't in it, I would really want to be in it. And I'd be angry that I wasn't in it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's that's yeah. a good that's a good you've done a lot of stuff like that though that over your career that you could say that about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been really lucky. Well, not yeah. lucky. I mean, you've got a lot of, there's a lot of talent. <laughs> there. I remember every time you'd pop it up in something when, you know, I was Becoming a comedy fan, I yeah. remember my mum and I would just get so excited. Anytime you'd pop up in anything, oh, it was just the best day of our lives. Because <laughs> probably because you were at Phillip Island and Phillip there wasn't a lot. Had nothing on. Yeah. Had nothing yeah. on. Fair, yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm just going to push this a little bit closer sure, to you. Sure, sure. Yeah, great. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, so I'd like to start the podcast. I know we've kind of already started the podcast. Yeah. I'd like to start the podcast with a question that I always say is a simple question, but then I go, it's actually <laughs> not a simple question and I feel like a damn fool. Every time, every time I ask it as a simple question. Uh, so, Genevieve Morris, do you think that nature or nurture had a greater influence on who you are today? On who I am today, I, I think it's so hard to. Yeah, it, it's so both. But I, I and I was sort of I was erring more towards nature, but I kind of think. It's probably nurture is probably just a bit in the lead. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, not not by a huge margin, but I think that yeah, that 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 nurture plays has probably played a, a slightly bigger part. Did you did you see it a bit with your kids as well? Did you see you know the people they become? You know, when they're growing up, we've got two wonderful kids. When, mm. when they're, they're completely different, though. Yeah. In the same environment. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, does that change your view on it a little bit when you when you see them it, growing up? It does a bit because, you know, that's where I sort of say, oh, these, you know, they come with their own personalities. And, and to a certain extent, I, I think that's true. But I also, even though, yeah, they are completely different. And, yes, they do come from the same environment. But I think it's also about who is first born and second born. Born yeah, yeah, and um, the experiences that they go through that aren't, um, you know, common to both. Yeah, yeah. So you know, my firstborn, you know, when when so she she was three, and when my second my son was born, and her whole world then shifts. Yeah, you know, changes, and 
other things come of that. Like I had, um, I was postnatally depressed after I had Frankie. So mm. I was not the ideal probably that I wanted to be, you know. So and those things, you know, they do, they, they impact, you know, yeah. on kids. Was, yeah. Well, did you know a lot about postnatal depression before you had it? Well, I, I, I've always suffered with depression. So, and I remember my mum saying when she was still alive, when I was pregnant or whatever, you know, saying, oh, you'll probably, you know, get postnatal depression rather than saying, what would you like me to knit? You know, oh, you'll probably be... And the first time around I wasn't, Mm. like when I had my first baby, but when I had number two, yeah, that's when it hit. So I was kind of ready for it in some way, but then in other ways you just you feel like you can't get out of the situation yeah, that you're yeah. in, i.e. you've got kids, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it was pretty dark but I got a lot of um, – I got some really good help. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, but I think that those things have to have some kind of impact. Yeah. You know, on, on kids. Yeah, absolutely. And so mm. when you look at your kids, like, I mean, you said that when Frankie was born, things change again. Where do you place in the in the Morris? Well, Morris I'm the youngest of, oh, right. of four. Yeah. And my brother, who's the closest to me in age, so he's third, He he's um, six, six years older than me. So, yep. you know, I was like, I, okay, was I a mistake? Or was I, you know, and I remember asking mum and she said, she said, no, you weren't, you weren't a mistake. The kinder teacher said regard, regarding Chris, my brother, he'd do well to have a younger sibling, <laughs> you know, to kind of take the take a bit of the shine off him or a bit of the, I don't know, it was weird. So anyway. If, if I asked your mum what had the greatest impact on her life, it would be the kinder teacher. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We're all, fancy listening, like someone said that, Today, yeah, like, like, you would just go right. I'm going to the council. Yeah, right. right you're on notice. Yep, <laughs> you're and done. You're Lawyer done up. for bullying and everything. You know, like just yeah. What was it like growing up as the youngest? Did you have a relationship with your older siblings, or were they kind of just that little bit too old to be friends? I with? did have a relationship with them. I was, I guess, I was probably the, you know, annoying younger one who. You know, would dob on them if they went if they got cigarettes, and but then I could work it to my advantage by saying I won't say anything if you buy me a bag of mixed lollies. Um, To then also annoying because mum would say, "Well, if you're going out there, you have to take Genevieve with you." You know, I mean, I went to rock concerts and stuff when I was quite young. You know, (laughs) because. That was the deal. What did she not want to look after me at home? Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I just pestered. Where are you going? You going to see Doctor Hook? I want to come and see Doctor Hook. I've always loved Doctor Hook. Um, you know, Santana. I saw Santana wow. at the um, uh, what's that? It's a, it's a race called the Raceway. There was a big concert. Right. Fleetwood Mac. You know, like wow. With my my sisters who were like eighteen and seventeen or whatever, and I'm you know like eight yeah. or seven, and just yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. What were you like when you were little? Um, pretty big personality. Yeah. Um, and even back then, I, I re- really liked to make people laugh. Yeah. And and, and like <clears throat> you know would study it for a long time. I thought it was a male. Thing. Right. Because my, my, I, I found my dad quite funny and my brother was quite funny. So it was sort of like, oh, I'd like to do that. I like that. I like the way that feels, but mm, it seems very male. Yeah. So I would sort of go more towards that male sort of humour to um, get the laugh, you know, or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, but, yeah, and I was um, – I was pretty hot-headed too, like I could fly, I could go into a fairly good rage. Wow. I remember one 
time my brother was out the backyard and just hosing the back window, you know, that when you're in, when you're inside, the water on the window, yep. just, you know, and I'd, I'm saying, stop, stop. And then I either kicked or rammed a toy pram, like, through the window just to go, fuck, I said, stop. Um, I remember, I, and one time they went out without me. And I came in, we had this poster of Neil Diamond down the end of the hall and I remember just being so angry that I just stormed down the hall and kneed the wall, like put my knee into the wall under Neil Diamond and it actually put a hole in the wall and I was like, Jesus, that's, wow. Um, I might have a problem. <laughs> I might have a little bit of an anger problem. And now I wonder why my kids are the way they are. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, just, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, where a lot of people say when they meet someone's parents, they kind of make sense, that person makes sense. Mm. Do you think you're a mix of your mum and your dad? Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, what, def- what What parts do you think? You kind of got his humour, do you think? Yes, yeah, I think I got Dad's humour and his kind of irreverent way of looking at stuff, which, you know, which doesn't mean that you don't care. Mm. It's just your way of... Um, Coping. Yeah, yeah, and, and commenting on stuff. But, um, and probably Mum's emotional side, like... You know, that's sort of tied up with the depression and um, her, you know, she's in her head. She was in her head a lot. Yeah. And, and, and that's where I can find myself sometimes. And, and yeah, so that, that's the combo. Whereas dad was a real sort of doer and mum was a thinker. Yeah. So it's a kind of constant conflict of, you know, yeah. Geez, you know, sitting there going, "Geez, I've really got to do that." <laughs> oh, but then, if I did that, that would involve that. It's probably best to just sit here and just do nothing, <laughs> and then just like wonder about what happens when you do nothing, but when there's heaps to do. Oh, I'm shit. <laughs> like you know, just yeah, the, yeah, yeah, constant. Yeah, yeah. When you were when you were saying that you love to make people laugh, and that mm. was always something you were going for, and that feeling of making people laugh. Mm. Did you start watching people who were funny? What 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 kind of drew you to the the, the world of showbiz, as you call it? I remember in your mm. email signatures you used to have <laughs> the biz in of the show. biz of show. <laughs> I, you know, I think yeah, it was probably firstly those sort of family. Um you know, touch points or whatever, mm. you, you know, um, touchstones. And then like in the later years of primary school, Mork and Mindy started. So that was Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the – and then being, going to high school, I think we were in – we did English and there was a little drama component and I would just do these – like I just ripped off like what they did the night before on Mork and Mindy and come in and be – Mork, you know, yep. be Robin Williams. Yeah. And the teacher just thought it was the best thing ever. Then he'd get me to come and perform it at, at like the older years yeah, English yeah. classes. And, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. It was just sort of like, wow, okay. You know, this is so, yeah. So then it became, you know, watching sitcoms and, um, Probably didn't watch, you know, like stand-up comedians and stuff until much later. Mm. Um, but just – and growing up on stuff like the Don Lane show with, you know, Bert Newton, just watching just watching Bert, yeah. what's he going to come up with now? Yeah. And, you know, and then, oh, man, being lucky enough to meet him, you know, years and years later, and he, he knew who I was. That was just extraordinary. And um, – and what a lovely man, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was all that sort of, you know, in the 70s and the um, early 80s, just, yeah, those. Definitely Robin Williams was a big sort of, yeah, 
in influence. When did you think that maybe you could make that into a career or did you have other ideas of what you were going to do? No, I didn't. I really didn't have other ideas. You know, I did a Bachelor of Education in Drama and Dance and English. In my head, I was never going to teach. Yeah. That idea just frightened the hell out of me and yeah. made it, it was just too stressful an idea. Um, so I think I was always going to perform. Uh, like even my grade six teacher said, you know, we did this little play and then she said, has anyone told you that you are a brilliant actress or something? And I was like, well, well I'm 11, so <laughs> probably not. Like I don't go I've to, had lots of I don't not. go to many opening nights, you know, being 11 and living in Knoxfield. <laughs> I don't – yeah, and but – it really, yeah, it stuck, and I was like, oh, okay, you know. And then, so all the all the positive experiences I had at school were to do with performing, yeah, and um, creating, and all of that. So then, it, as I kind of got to the upper years of um, of secondary school, and you know, there was the option. There was a lot of the people that came and taught us drama or media and stuff came from Rusden, so that was just the natural progression for me as well. How did yeah. you feel at Rusden? Did you did you have an idea that you were going to be a serious actor or was it always comedy? It was a lot of comedy, yeah. yeah a lot of comedy, a lot of improvising. And, you know, there was some other kind of straight roles, but, um, yeah, it was often just a, yeah, just comedy. And yeah. it was and it was just such a fun time too, you know, especially first year, arrogant first years who thought we were in... I thought I was at the high school fame, you know, the high school performing yeah. arts or something. We'd be carrying on in the canteen. No wonder the PE department just wanted to punch the shit out of all of us. I would too. Now, if I went back, I'd just go, pipe down, fuckhead. <laughs> Gee whiz, what a poser. But anyway, yeah. And, and that's when you started to really like improvising? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you like it? Have you always kind of liked performing with other people instead of by yourself. Did you ever think about stand-up a lot? Because I know that you you started emceeing a lot of things, or local nights, I remember. Yeah. But did you ever want to? I, I always liked the idea of it, yeah. but then I just, I don't know, I just would freeze up at the stress of it. Where I'd love to bounce off other people and, yeah, you know, um, yeah, you know, share the load. Share the load, as it were. <laughs> when did you start to do things professionally? When did when did after finishing Rusdale? Oh, like the that next year. Wow. Yeah, like so. Um, so I grad. We, you know, I finished Rusden. Then we did a. Um, I did a, a show at the Adelaide Fringe Festival with a group of women that a lot of them went to Rusden. And then, I think the director of this theatre for schools company saw me in one of the shows or something and and then when I got back it was um, there was a position open at a, a theatre for schools company yep. so <clears throat> which I auditioned for and got the job. So wow. it was sort of like working by February or March, yep. you know, of the of the following year. And um, what was that first job like? Uh, unbelievable, yeah. you know, unbelievable the, the concept that I'm – and I had done – I had studied theatre and education at, at Rusden, so I loved the concept of it, you know, going out and performing at schools. Yeah. You know, turning kids on to live theatre and – Was it a lot know, of Shakespeare or what sort of – No, sort of no, works? this is all original, all, you know, new works. Imagine saying it was pre-Shakespeare. Yeah, it was pre-Shakespeare. God, he didn't come into much later. He was early 2000s, wasn't he? Oh, his iambic pentameter. You can't, no, I don't think it'll take off, if I'm honest. So you were were teaching kids all about live theatre and the joy of it? Well, we were performing. We were writing plays. We were devising plays. So we might have, or we'd have a writer assigned to the project. So they'd, they'd come up with the themes the year before. And um, so, you know, we did one about um, sort of the media and the, and the whole um, way the media can, can sort of contort things or make things, you know. Yeah, yeah. We did one about um, women in the legal system, in the prison system and, you know, sort of. So it was a good combo too of drama and comedy and music, you know, like yeah. songs and 
and stuff. And, yeah, so that was a great, um, you know, it was a great learning ground too because, you you, you know, you arrive at a school in the Econovan, you know, you've got to, you got to get out the set, yep. you set it up, you, gotta, you know, someone's got to count the audience members and make sure the school's not ripping us <laughs> off. You know, it was all that stuff, you know. Yeah, you're walking around with all those little clickers. To yeah. Count, yeah. Can't concentrate because I'm counting 49. You were a teacher 30, or how did you get in? You are a comp? Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how long did you do that for? Uh, I did it for two years. So mm. I did a year, then I had a year off, and then I went back and did another year. And um, and then I after that I worked for some other theatre for schools companies just a little bit. And then and then sort of that's when and then I sort of did some Melbourne Theatre Company and and then some bits of, you know, TV and film yeah. and then, yeah, and then it just sort of kept, you know, going along. Yeah, yeah. Did you always kind of feel like the comedy person? Because I remember we were having a conversation a few years ago where I remember every every time there was a, some, a new sort of thing, I remember you always kind of coming into it at some point. There would always be a funny scene with you in there. There was always – I was always remembering every show that I really loved. You would always pop up at some point. Right. You know, we, did you think you were always kind of going for those roles or those were more the roles that you were offered? Probably more the roles that I was offered. Yeah. I, yeah. I can remember saying one time at a um, an opening night, an MTC opening night of a, um, a set of short plays that we did and Simon Phillips was the artistic director at the time and I don't know why but I, anyway, he you know, some people were talking about me, you know, and I was – Right there, like they're saying, oh, Jen, just wonderful. She's so hilarious. Yeah. And I remember saying to him, I, I can I can do serious or something like, you know. Yeah. Simon, I, know, I can do drama too. I just want, you know. It's like, what the fuck am I bothered saying that? <laughs> I mean, but, but I think the point to that is I also believe that a lot of comic actors can do drama quite well. Yeah. And sometimes I don't think it transfers the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. and when it does, it's a beautiful, pleasant surprise. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know what it is. It just, um, yeah. Did you did you want to do – was there a point of frustration at all? Did you yeah, want to do was serious a, Yeah, roles? there was. Yeah. But then I also – if, if, if I put my, my casting director pants on – and I, you know, and especially say film and TV, it is such a visual medium. You don't want to be distracted or, um, I don't know. Pulled out of it? Yeah, pulled yeah, out yeah. of it by the wrong kind of casting in a visual sense too. Yeah. So I totally, I, I totally understand. What I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I, I don't look like a leading lady you know, like I'm not going to be cast as a vulnerable kind of, I don't know, you know, a woman who's, you know, yeah. out on the streets yep. with her kids because her husband, you know, I don't, it's not going to happen because everyone knows what's going to come out of my mouth yeah. is you can move out of the fucking house or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's just sort of not the right yeah. look and sound and everything that comes together. Do you think that's having your dad's sense of humour, do you think? And Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah possibly. Because you always kind of did it with his voice and then... Yeah, yeah. Because you, know, you, you do often play a kind of a, a gruff role. totally. Yeah. A, a blokey kind yeah. of, yeah. Um, but that's because I think because you were the only one, especially when, when I remember watching it, you were the only one that was doing it and yeah. doing it really funny. Yeah. And kind of just, you know, you knew that you would fly off the handle at any second. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, you, you just had that voice. Mm. And I think that I think a, a moment where I kind of realised that 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 mode of funny that clown in me was okay, like was, and and it was probably the the ANZ ads yeah. because it's, initially they were trying to cast a male in that role, right? And the director had auditioned because a lot of my mates had gone for it, yeah. And then he said to the client i believe you know crazy idea but can we try some women yeah and so in a way i guess the sense of and the way that it was written and the the ideas behind it might be very male you know and then but but it's a female 
saying them. Yeah. But they felt very natural to me and it was and and then that worked that was and it was sort of like oh okay and it works universally like it's you know it was a very popular yeah kind of campaign so yeah so that was interesting barbara from Bankworld is so Mm. much more recognizable and makes much more sense as a comedy character yeah it's funny that they were even going for men because it it just makes so much sense yeah yeah as barbara it seems like a full fully formed character totally was that something that you found you were even more recognisable after that? Oh God, that was ridiculous. Yeah, that yeah, that was that went off because it's it's that it's that um saturation too the the amount of times they play those ads yeah. and it just it's it's the you know it, yeah it was bigger than Ben Hur it was yeah. it was massive yeah I remember you know, just going sometimes going out going oh, fucking hell someone's gonna say. Oh, okay, People still do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still do. Yeah. And, and and that's fine and it's great. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just so weird. Yeah. To me, yeah. For, for you, so where did you meet, uh, when did you meet your partner, Tim? So we met um, before you were born. No, I can't remember. <laughs> when. Um, in 94. Yep. We were doing a production together with the Melbourne Theatre Company and it was a Sydney Theatre Company co-production. Yep. So half the cast were from Melbourne, you know, or whatever, half were from Sydney. We rehearsed it in Melbourne, opened it in Melbourne and then did a Sydney season and Tim was from Sydney. Right. So we were both, you know, small bit players. It was my first show with the MTC. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, so we just sort of hit it off. Yeah. And it would always be us at the end of the night and, you know, and making each other laugh and, you yeah. know, watching The Godfather and just stuff, you know, and yeah. it just sort of went from there. Yeah. yeah. And he acted for a, for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, he, he, he's, but he's got a much better or not better, stronger, more committed work ethic than I have. Right. He didn't cope with the, um, you know the unemployment and the uncertainty of yeah. of being an actor. So he sort of went and got other jobs. He always had other jobs, and then he uh, went and retrained as a primary teacher. Yeah. So yeah, he's so funny. Yeah, he's such yeah. a funny person. Totally. Have you always kind of found it hard being the funny one? I mean, in friendship groups and everything, it's kind of expected of you to be that person. All I think the time. as you as you get older, you you get to know your friendship groups on a bit of a deeper level and, yeah. and you, you, you're not going to be just part of a group that just wants you because you're funny. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, you know, so it's uh, it, when you get to know people better and they they can see you walk through the door and go, yep, she's not in a funny mood. She's not. We're not going to, you know. <laughs> um, we're not going to ask anything of her. We're not going to expect anything. Yeah. That's friendship. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. Is there a difference between you performing, doing something with TV, film, live performing? Do you like live performing the most? I do. I, yeah, I, th- I think I do. It's that immediate kind of – it's the relationship with the audience that, um, you know, you, 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 you can't get with, you know, film or TV. And, I mean, you, you, in a way you're, um, you're in the editor's – hands a bit too yeah. especially with comedy so you know the way that, that editors will cut out at the, you know the, at, if they cut out at the right point it's a hit yeah. you know if they leave it a bit too long or a bit yeah. too, or they go a bit too quick it's like oh you've killed the joke it just yeah um and thankfully a lot of the editors that I've worked with have have been great at you know yeah. reading that stuff and and yeah especially like say no activity you know yeah comedy editing's really hard oh as well. absolutely yeah. i can imagine you know because it's that thing of you don't want to um you know labor on something but it's important that it's heard and it's got enough airspace that it lands you know yeah. so yeah is there, is there something that you've done that's your favorite thing Um, like no activity would have to be yeah. pretty high up there, I would it's reckon. So funny. I just think 
having two, like just the concept of it too, people, you know, just two-handers, it's just you and the other person and it's just the talking and the whatever and the ideas that come out. You know, we would riff on a theme. It wasn't just an action. You yeah. got nothing. <laughs> you know, like we had, yeah, um, points that we need. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...to get to and, and what have you, but I think that would be pretty up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in terms of live performance, I think that Small Metal Objects with back-to-back theatre, which we, you know has toured all over the world and I've been lucky enough to be a part of a couple of those tours, it's, it's pretty great too because it's just it's groundbreaking and it's not like anything else. Yeah. And yep. it's... Um, it's a fairly special piece, you know, and I was also part of the devising group of, of that show too. So, yeah, that's probably, you know. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, I have standard questions to ask on the podcast Great. and then they're kind of jumping off points for other things, really, mm, to discuss mm, other things. Mm. We might get to some of the stuff, you know, that, that we can talk about as well. So the first question is what traits in people do you find the most admirable? I I like people who are compassionate. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like, yeah, I I don't know if I find that admirable or or just necessary. To, yeah. Um. I I and I'm which traits I I think also I I like the f- flawed people. I don't yeah. you know um. I mean, we're all flawed, but, you know, there's this whole kind of, I don't know, thing around that's you've got to be perfect or something. And, and, I, and I like people who admire self-doubt, you know, because it's, it's, um, it means you're thinking about stuff, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that compassion and tolerance... Uh, yeah, I find extremely admirable. Um, if you could choose to be born into the perfect environment, what would that look like? I mean, your childhood growing up, was that kind of, you know, I guess it made you who you are, is mm. there? Do you think that was kind of a, a great environment to grow up in? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I feel lucky that I grew up when I, when I grew up. Yeah. So, I feel so lucky that I'm not a kid now. Yeah. I don't know. I just, and I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but really are the fucking guinea pigs of this whole you know, that were the parenting guinea pigs of this generation that, you know, grow up with smartphones and social yeah. media and all that. And I, I know I bang on about it, but, you know, it's it's a total game changer. Yep. It's, you know, it's either like my, the difference is me as a teenager or, you know, young teenager sitting in my room, I'd have to think about, okay, I'm bored, yeah, I'm off, I think I'm bored. I think I want to go and catch up with a friend. So yep. I'd have to have to ring them on the landline, you know, and talk. Yep. Or ride my bike over to their place, knock on the front door. Yeah. Risk a rejection, go to the next one, whatever, whatever. Whereas now I would just be sitting in my room on the phone, flicking through TikToks and whatever and feeling inadequate and yep. just spiralling slowly down. Yeah, yeah. It's just the active time of life that I had versus the kind of passive, oh, just let these things happen to me, I guess, because, you know, yeah, so no, I, totally. I guess I'm really glad I grew up when I did and, I'm re- and I get really sad that my kids don't get to experience that. Yeah. But um, Is that why you kind of moved a little bit further away from the city? A little bit, yeah. a little bit. Um, it is a great place to to raise kids up there but it's the same shit different location yeah yeah. you know um 
but it's also why I reckon I, you know, I like to go away camping a, a bit, you yeah. know, just to, even though they fucking bring their phones with them and they do all that, but there's more of a sense of reminding you when you're not sleeping in a house with four walls yeah. and stuff that there's another world out there and that we can, you know, yeah. take I, part in it. I think I said to someone, I said to someone a little while ago that, like, I'm never bored. Like, there's actually, mm. I'm never, ever bored because you really can't be. Like, there's so much to do yeah. all the time. But I do remember when I was little being bored. Yeah. Like, I remember just walking around the house, like, oh. mum's had someone over that just talks. You know, they're old <laughs> and they're talking and, you know, you have to, you're just like, oh, when are they going to stop talking? Yeah. I wanted to go and do something. Yeah, yeah. But I've got to sit around and watch them drink cups of tea. Yeah, yeah. But that, that doesn't really seem to, it's like, I haven't been bored in so, like I can't remember being bored because mm. there's always something to do. There's the phone. There's someone to contact. There's yeah. someone to message. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you when you grew up were all of all of the siblings like you were kind of it was a little bit more free range like you could kind of just do what do what you felt like doing go and see a friend go oh and, absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah you know and you're also I was also sent down the to the milk bar to get mum's cigarettes yeah yeah I yeah. mean you know at, at eight yeah. you know like that's unheard of now and oh, do I have to can I get 20 cents of mixed lollies yes okay all right all right that'll make it worthwhile um yeah much more free range yeah. you just knew to come home when the street lights came on or yeah you know um yeah different totally I can't believe how different it is yeah um what's your favorite thing about yourself I think it is that um inbuilt humour yep. and, and the ability to make people laugh and or the ability to find humour in the shittest of situations. Yeah. I couldn't find it yesterday. I had a bad day and I ended up, you know, on my bed sobbing. Yeah. But today <laughs> I can find the humour in it. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, you, as you know, I'm technically very unsavvy and I was trying to do this course online and through zoom but the <laughs> the concept of getting then i had to get back to the work program and then i lost the zoom but i knew they can see me through the camera but i can't get back to i couldn't you know, yeah. i just i'm just technically you yeah. know challenged and <laughs> i wanted to just cry but yeah. i remembered i was on camera <laughs> So I just left. I just you just left. walked out of the room. Yeah, no, just no, just left. Oh, leave the meeting. We just walked out of the room. Just no, left. No, it's still no, I left. Leave meeting. I could have just closed it. I suppose. And then you know, and I rang up. I'm going to do the course face to face. That suits me much better. Thank yeah. you very much. Because it's not about the course. It's just about this shit thing that I'm a little bit old. That I missed the boat with that sort of training and yeah. and a little bit busy. That my mind doesn't retain. The, the information as I'm, you know, given it. So, but usually you can find the humour. Usually I can find the humour. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's something about yourself you'd change? <laughs> Everything. No. Um. Ah. Uh, just probably my motivation. Yeah. I, I find it hard a lot of the time, and that sometimes it's tied in with depression. But, um. Yeah, that thing, that difference between thinking, sitting there and thinking in my head to just get up and do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've got a few mantras that I that I sort of use sometimes and one is just start, just start, yep. just start. Because sometimes when you just start something and you think, I'm just going to start it, won't, I won't continue, I'll just start it. And then you're in yep. and you're loving it, yeah. you know, or, um, yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect, it's just no. start. Just start. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, who influenced you the most? Mm. I find that really hard because there wouldn't be, you know, I, I don't think it would be the it would be just one person. Like obviously my mum and my nana were, were big influences on me. Yeah. Um, but my parents split up when I was 12, so I didn't see my dad as much. Um, anyway, so I, I think my mum and my nana, but I also think key people like that first boss I had 
what, when I first started working in theatre for education, Rosemary Myers, Rose Myers, who's a, you know, theatre and now film practitioner and whatever, she had a big influence on me, you know, because yeah. it was my first job and she was just this amazing woman I was just in awe of. Yeah. Everything about her, her, her politics, her her arty, creative mind, her, yeah, just her being, her, yeah, I remember just like thinking, oh, wow, I just, yeah, I was in awe. Yeah. So, and she does, she, you know, she shaped my early um, years as a performer too, I think, you know, and, yeah, so there's, there's kind of been, yeah, a few were you one of the only families who, like, I mean, your parents splitting up, was that a big thing in your circle of friends? Like, a lot of your friends had divorced parents? No. No, they hadn't. They, not in the, There was, you know, you always knew the kids that, oh, yep. her parents aren't together anymore. You know, so it was almost like, what? Yeah. My parents won't be together. Yeah, it was, it was a, um, a bit of a departure from the norm, around there but then it didn't take long and everyone caught up you yeah. know sleeping with the neighbors and yeah. yeah but yeah it was it was um a little bit different yeah. in those early days yeah did your parents come and see you perform yeah um my mum a lot yeah you know and um <laughs> i remember one time my sister brought my dad to come and see Spontaneous Broadway. Yeah. <clears throat> you know how we, we get the suggestions of the songs, you know, that the audience write them down. You make up a whole musical on the spot. Yeah. yeah. And the um, and so they make up an imaginary song title and put it in. I pulled out once the night my sister brought my dad. And, the, and I knew her handwriting straight away. I just yeah. had to, just was lucky enough to pick it up. And it was, the song title was My Dad Has No Imagination. <laughs> And and the, just glancing down and just seeing him sitting there a bit perplexed and confused. Yeah, what, yeah. what the fuck have I, they brought me to? Oh, he looks fancy. You know, just, uh, just yeah. a bit. Um, yeah. Did so, you have a good relationship with him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, no, I did. Um, I think we're just very intrinsically close. I don't think there was ever any, you know, we wouldn't discuss it. He wasn't a discuss thoughts and feelings and yeah. whatever um but he he was he was a a sort of a he was my Achilles heel in a way you know he was the thing that would bring me undone when yeah. um you know because you you feel like you missed out on like growing up as a teenager I didn't get those you know a lot of that sort of yeah um input from him or I don't know, disciplines, boundaries, but then again, uh, yeah, I don't know what I would have done with them, but I, yeah, I just, he was a, yeah, he's a bit of an Achilles heel. Like I, I went through a period where I couldn't talk about him without bursting into tears. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next question, who do you choose to surround yourself with now and has that changed over time? What kind of people? Um, thinkers. Yeah. I um yeah, I choose to surround myself yeah, with people who will think deeply about things and not and, and question them and yeah. Um the flawed <laughs> again. Um and laughers. Yeah. Like I you know, I remember you know, the first time I met my um nieces that time boyfriend now husband and we were going over to her place their place and and the first thing I heard I was getting the kids out of the car they were just little and and I heard his laugh this boyfriend that I hadn't met niece's boyfriend and I thought sweet yeah you know what I mean I just couldn't stand it if yeah it was just some serious or you know cocky bloke or something and um yeah, I just – and then I remember, oh, fuck, you really – laughter is important. It wasn't laughing yeah. at me. It was inside. There was something happening. But but people who can laugh. Yeah. 
you know, we, yeah. The friends and, I've met of yours, you know, up in the hills, yeah. like they're always big laughers. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, and we can see the vulnerability in things and the whatever, but we can still laugh and, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. And, and the tolerant, I think. I have to be surrounded by people who are tolerant. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's also hard when you meet a comedy person that doesn't laugh. You're like, what's going on with you? Weirdo. <laughs> when are you at your happiest? I'm actually, it's weird. I'm at my happiest when, like the other night, it wasn't last night or the night before, <clears throat> we were all, when I say all, my little family, so Tim, Nessie and Frankie and the two dogs, in the lounge room, which is very rare. It's a very small lounge room too. Um, You've just moved from a big house to a, to a small yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. And we were all, you know, I think probably eating dinner just on our laps and stuff and watching a show. No, we hadn't – we'd paused the show and we were just talking and, and it was just and, – and it was it's when the kids talk to each other in a kind of respectful way or they make each other laugh or yeah. one's telling the other one a story and the other one's actually listening – and we're all having a bit of a laugh and a, and it's happy. And, and then I remember just thinking, oh, this is so great. It's pretty rare. But when it happens, yeah, that's I'm really happy. There's no aggro. There's no meltdowns. There's no – yeah, it's just, it's just the best. Yeah. Mm. When are you at your lowest? I'm at my lowest when I haven't walked – like haven't exercised, and my version of exercise is exercising these days is walking mainly. Um, I haven't walked if I haven't connected with anyone, and I haven't I feel like I haven't achieved anything. I can just go into a yeah negative spiral yeah. and not yeah not feel worthy, not feel feel anything, but just very down. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How do you pull yourself out of that? Well, that that's when I have to say, just start. Yeah. You know, just start, as just in start. put your runners on, you yeah. know, go for a walk. Yeah. Um, achieve something. And it can be as, you know, just cleaning up the kitchen, just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like small, small things and then they lead on to others and gradually walk back up the spiral staircase, you know, that you've yeah. walked down. Yeah. Um, if you could pinpoint a moment in your life, that had the greatest impact on inf- or influence on you, what would that be? Um, I think, I feel like there's two. There's One is bringing the first baby home. Yeah. And it's not necessarily having the baby or the, the, it's the bringing that baby home and it's in a bassinet, a little carrier thing on the other side of the lounge room and you're sitting there and, and the breastfeeding hasn't been established yet. Also, I can't sit really because I've got this dodgy episiotomy that took six weeks to heal. So I'm nervous about the baby waking up and wanting to be fed and, and just sitting there and thinking, don't wake up, don't wake up, don't wake up, don't wake up, don't wake up. Just because Tim had to go out and get something. Yeah. And just that, and also just the enormity of, wow, so I've got this thing that I'm responsible for and that life will never be the same again. Yeah. And it never was, you know, and it never is. And that's that's part of the joy of it and also just the absolutely terrifying, yeah. you know, nature of it. You haven't got a nurse around, you haven't got no, anyone. It's just no you. one. Yeah. All the... You know, all the, you know, the newness and the kind of the excitement of the pregnancy and the drama of the labour and the complications afterwards and all that and the specialists and, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's all gone and it's just like, fuck, it's just you and me. I mean, it's, and, and Tim, you know, but essentially when he goes back to work, it's just going to be you and me. Yeah. Jesus, you know, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> What, what have I done? What's the second one? Uh, I think it was when I was um, in hospital 
sorry. No. Like, you know, with having stem cell transplant. Yeah. And everything was going well. And I think I was going to be um, discharged the next day. But then I went into this, um, what, what they call a septic shower, which is, it was a bug, you know, got in my system and everything went to shit. And I remember feeling like I was going to die. Like, sorry. <laughs> I never thought that. Like, through the whole cancer journey, I never thought my life was so precious and that, you know, God, I could die and all of that. I always just, you know, trusted the science and thought, well, if if you if you're not lucky enough to, you know, eventually, yeah, you might die of this, and that's 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 life, you know, that's all part of it. But when you were conf- when I was confronted with it, I just, yeah, I've never felt anything like that, that fear, and also just the willing like the wanting not to die like I've always thought about it oh yeah fucking you live you die man you live you die but I mean fuck and I was nowhere near death obviously like you were you were really bad I, I was really sick I saw you a few days before I remember I came into hospital to see you and and then and know, I was on the mend and you wasn't were I? so excited about being discharged exactly on Monday, I saw you on the Thursday I think yeah and then the Friday you messaged me and told me that you'd just gone down. Yeah. And, and oh, no, it must have no, been a few Saturday. days in between. Yeah, Saturday. it was like the, yeah. Sun, yeah. the Sunday morning I woke up and that's when I went down. And that was my birthday. And it was my birthday. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just how much it shocked me because all of a sudden everyone got really serious. You know, the doctors, the nurses, and me just looking at them all going, what, what the fuck? Yeah. What, this wasn't. What? You know, and yeah. And the humour's not there because you can't find it, that in that Honestly, moment. it wasn't. Yeah. I think that was and – and then I knew I was starting to get better when I was in ICU and this fantastic nurse that I had, this guy called Dennis Filipino, I think he was, um, he was just hilarious. And he just kept rallying around all day – Getting, making people sign a card for for me, for someone they didn't even know. Happy birthday card. He got me some chocolate. You know, like it was I've just... Worked, when I worked in big offices and people hand around a card and you go, I don't yeah, know who the I fuck know that is. The, <laughs> I get these, yeah, these top professors. Yes. And stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Don't worry who it's for. Just fucking sign it, you know. And, yeah, and just sort of gradually the humour came back. Yeah. And was it 2017 that you were diagnosed... Yes. With non, is it non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, non-Hodgkin's follicular lymphoma. And then, you know, I had chemo and then went into a went into remission, but I wasn't in remission for very long, like 12, 18 months. Yeah. And then, re, you know, I re-diagnosed and then there was, and then there was another, which is a diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, DLBCL, yeah. Um that was also at play, which is which kind of explains why some of the treatment wasn't just getting rid of it all. Yeah, and that's why the decision was made to um, to do the really strong chemo, and then the stem cell transplant with my own stem cells. So they harvest them, put them in the freezer with the chicken nuggets, and and then thaw it out when I yeah. Get what, it back in. What was it like when you heard that diagnosis for the first time? Oh, well, that was extraordinary because I went to I went to hospital because I had this what I felt like was indigestion. Yeah, and still, really to this day, don't know whether it was anything to do with the lymphoma or it was just my body's way of going. There's something going on. Yeah. You need to get it checked out. So I'm sending you this symptom. So you'll go and thoroughly, because I'd, I'd I'd hosted this um, charity, you know, a fundraiser the night before, and you know, and you, you're kind of on the go, and and there was the most delicious food made for it by the um, Asylum Resource Centre, I think. Like it was, it, you know, it was refugees, and it was a great cause. Anyway, 
and I'd scoff this Arancini ball, you know, and, they're, they're, and I remember thinking, geez, you haven't fucking chewed that enough, you <laughs> know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and so I kind of was going, oh, it's just the Arancini ball. <laughs> the Arancini stuck in my chest. But then going to hospital, because Tim said, because of your age, because I'd like literally just turned 50. Yeah. Your age and it's your chest pain, you'll yeah. go straight in. You'll be in and out. Just get it checked out and then we can move on. And, you know, two days later, I get this diagnosis of lymphoma. Yeah. And um, it was it, because they were so thorough. They were so thorough at the, you know, chest, chest X-ray and then there, oh, there's a little bit of a shadow, there's a bit of a something, CT scan. Yeah. And, yeah, contrast CT. And that's what picked it up. And then they, then they go and do things like, you know, tissue biopsy and, Bone biopsy and yeah, yeah. Was it was it hard to be a mum during that time? Yeah, it was. It was a particularly difficult time, anyway. Being a mum, um, it's sort of around the same time my daughter, you know, presented with a lot of mental health issues and chronic anxiety and you know and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, you feel like it could either go one way or the other. It could go, you know, oh, no, mum's really sick. That's cancer. I better strap up my boots and and, and send this mental illness away. Yep. But it doesn't work like that, no. you know. So it's sort of the juggling the both, reassuring her about me, but also, you know, um, needing her to know that I'm going to go through some pretty full-on stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, whereas Frankie was, he was just that bit younger. I remember I said, have you got any questions? He goes, are you going to lose your hair? I said, yeah, if I have, when I have chemo, I, I will lose my hair. Are you going to take photos of it and post it on Instagram? I'm like, I don't know, mate, I haven't really thought about that. I probably couldn't give you, a, you know, another a, a proper answer yet. And then it was, I've got one more question. Can I go to Marcus's? Yes, mate, you can go. The big three question. The big three. Every child asks that question. That's at it. One point. Oh, no, actually, it was another one, which, which was, can you catch it? Right. Can I get it? Can I, anyone can get it, mate, but you won't catch it off me. <laughs> but wash your hands, it takes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. When, uh, when work took a back seat as well, mm. like, you know, suddenly you weren't working, you missed out on uh, some opportunities that you were really excited about mm. as well. Yeah. Now do you have big ambitions? Do you have a lot of drive now? Um, no, <laughs> I've, I've never had a lot of drive. I think that's my probably my biggest downfall. I yeah, I, I mean, I I want to work. I want to I want to connect with people, and I want to you know make stuff, and I want to get paid, <laughs> and I want to um, be with my tribe. You know, but I I also have sort of put it in a place of it'll be what it'll be, um, you know, health, family, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not – I don't want anything stressful. I just don't – yeah, I don't cope with it. Yeah. I haven't got the reserves that I used to have, I think. Yeah. To – yeah. I like to end the podcast by asking mm. the same question that I did at the start. So nature or nurture, do you feel like it really has been a bit of both for you? Yeah, I really do. But I also think that, that nurture is still slightly in front, you know, and the things that happen around you and to you shape, you know, who you are to to a greater extent maybe than how you were hardwired. Yeah. Genevieve Morris, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Been a pleasure. Thank you, you, Sam. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson and you can follow me, SamPeterson91 on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast 
Uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're, they're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.